Thank you for joining us this week at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our annual PCBI conference, Yahweh. This theology conference is for everyone and is intended to create a deeper love for the Bible. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Thank you, Joe, for that kind word. Joe's been a part of this program, I think, for 10 plus years, too, now. I mean, he's just, he started off as a student, and he would just uh, keep me late and talk to me about different issues that he found in the Bible, and we'd hash them out and argue with each other, and we still kind of do every now and then, but it's all in good faith, and we've strengthened each other, and uh, it's just been a blessing. But before we begin, if you guys don't mind, let's all just bow our heads for a moment, because I need the Holy Spirit here, amen? Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would just anoint my voice, Lord, use me as your tool, Father God, and as your weapon. Father, I pray that you would just begin to touch everybody here, Lord, that you would touch the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, and that you would just take over this service, Father God. Lord, I just pray that these are your words, Lord, and that we would understand you, Father God, and we'd want to be with you this evening, Lord, and we pray that your spirit would guide us and begin to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I was working with Joe uh, probably six months ago about this conference, and I'm teaching the semester, and he kept bothering me, and he kept pushing ideas and themes to me, and we settled on Yahweh. If you don't know what Yahweh is, Yahweh is God, okay? I don't want to confuse anybody, but it's Yahweh is pretty much the lettering. If anybody has a shirt, you'll notice that that is Hebrew lettering at the top. That is Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, okay? So that means God. It doesn't mean anything else. It just means God the Father. When you're talking about the Trinity, it is Father God, okay? Well, when I think about God and I think about Yahweh and putting this message together, it was pretty simple. I told myself, when I think about Yahweh, I think about the fall of man, right? The fall of man. Basically, when, when sin entered the world, I think about an Old Testament God, a God of wrath, or a God that is just trying to get people saved when there was no Christ. An Old Testament, kind of an old thought, if you would say. And I started to think about the image of God. Recently, I had the opportunity to travel to Korea, okay? I'm going to tell you a funny story, so you have to laugh, all right? <laughs> I had the opportunity to travel to Korea, I was a little nervous going to Korea because I knew there's not a lot of English-speaking people there. So I was just a little nervous of how I'm going to communicate. And I had to train somebody that knew very little English. I started talking to him on the phone at work. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to be out here for like six weeks. But and so I started to really figure out when I got there that it's not necessarily the language, but it's just the kind of persona that you have that helps you communicate. For example, if I'm walking around like this in Korea, no one's going to want to talk to me, right? I'm going to look angry. I'm going to look mad. I'm not approachable. But there are certain things that, are, that have universal communication, right? So if I smile at you, right, that means I'm friendly, right? So I remember I walked into Starbucks and I was nervous. The menu was in Korean. Okay, but I really needed my Starbucks because I'm trying to adjust to the time zone and, you know, I'm a coffee addict like most of us in here, 
right? But I, I, I was like, man, how am I going to do this? So I get up to the counter because there's a line. I finally get up to the counter. And I'm like, just make sure you smile at her who's taking your order. I go, hi. <laughs> I really didn't know what to say, right? <laughs> Can I get a caramel? And I'm doing this, like the size, like she knows, right? Can I get a caramel macchiato? Like, can I get it, um, the blonde roast? You know, and I'm trying to get really creative. I'm like, I'm just making this really difficult. And she just looks at me and she goes, You want a tall caramel macchiato blonde? <laughs> I go, Yes! And I want that sandwich. And I just start ordering more, right? I want the bagel to go with it. And it was, and I was just so nervous, but I remember, I remember when I was, I was young, I was in youth ministry, Pastor Omar, he told me, um, he told me one thing, he said, look, when you, when you go and you talk to people that you don't know their language, sometimes they just want to see you smile, they just want to touch, and they, and they just want, you know, hug them, you know, just show them the love of God. And I remember that, and I remember just bringing that into even my, my career. When I'm traveling, I do those things. I shake the hand. I look at them in the eye. I smile at them. And I do feel like there are certain things that God has given us that speak across a multitude of cultures. And it, it started in the beginning. If, if you would turn your Bibles, go ahead, or, you know, go ahead and throw it up there. You don't have to turn your Bibles. But in Genesis chapter 1, if you could just post this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 26 to 27 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27 states, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Jordan, go ahead and put up that first slide. The image of God in Latin is known as the Imago Dei. Turn to your neighbor and says, Imago Dei. Imago Dei. Now you guys are speaking Latin. Amen. The Imago Dei in man, okay, is basically the image of God. It refers to the fact that humanity carries a unique resemblance to God. I'm going to say that again. A unique resemblance to God. I may be jumping all the way ahead here, but there is something inside of you that is greater than the flesh. Okay, there is something inside of you that has power. Meaning that God created your, you as a human being, but he created you with some like qualities. And this is what I kind of want to just go over. And I just kind of taught this this last semester. So um, I wanted to give you guys something about what our classes really have in them. Go ahead and go to the next slide, Jordan. The Imago Day in men, we share some like qualities. God is this all-powerful being. We're not all-powerful, and I'll explain that in a second, but we have some similarities. God gave us a personality, okay? In other words, we have the ability to reason with each other, to share and laugh, right, to be angry at each other. We may have a personality. We have eternality. God gave us an eternal spirit, okay? There's a reason for that. We're not just flesh so we could just go back into the ground. But there's an eternal spirit. There's a purpose there. He didn't just create us so that we would just go back into the ground. Rather, he wanted to do something eternally inside of you. Amen? 
We're also relational. He gave us re uh, relationality, the ability to have a relationship. We can connect with each other. How many connect groups are in here? Home fellowships, right? We can connect with each other. We can fellowship with each other. And that connection goes beyond humanity. We can actually connect with the Holy Spirit, God, and his word. We have that ability to do that, okay? We also have the ability to be spiritual, okay? Wait, I just jumped like two of them, didn't I? God gave us the ability to choose, we have a choice, right? We could choose different things in our lives, right? We could choose to, to backslide today. We could choose to do whatever we want, right? But you're here, amen? We have the ability to reason, rationality. We can reason with one another. We can reason with God, and we'll go over some scripture when we see that. The ability to be spiritual, we can connect with God and be spiritual with him. When we lift our hands and praise, there's something that is being activated inside of you that it doesn't come Really from your mom or your dad. It came from God. Amen. We have a physical form. God gave us a physical form. We have the ability to know right and wrong. And then he also gave us dominion, which you know if you read Genesis, we have dominion over this world. Amen. But with all that, we found a way through the fall of man to distort it all. That's called the distorted man. We are distorted. In other words, we don't always want to do all these spiritual things, right? We don't always want to be in church all the time. We don't always want to lift our hands all the time. We don't always want to pray, read our Bible. We don't know. This is my wife, by the way. She's looking out for me. That's my wife. Okay? Stay away. She's an acquaintance to you, okay? <laughs> Thank you, babe. But we are distorted. In other words, we, if, if we try very hard, we maybe can feel the Holy Spirit 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. But it's very difficult because we have this distortion. I'm not here to tell you that it's Eve's or Adam's fault that whoever bit the apple, I'm not here to tell you that. Just know that you have been distorted, okay? In James chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, it says, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. Tonight I want to tell you, I think a lot about, and this is really where I'm going with this, I think a lot about why is God so faithful to us? He's faithful to the unfaithful. Yes. I'm going to say it again. He is faithful to the unfaithful, and that's really the title of my sermon today, is that he is faithful to the unfaithful. We do have this distorted look inside of us. We have this distorted feeling inside of us that takes us and draws us away. We can blame the enemy. We could do all those things, but in reality, we have to control that. Amen. Anyone ever realize in your life, I'm far from the person who Jesus was? It's because you're distorted. I said, I have to be like Christ? Jeez, man. It's easier being Drew, B Drew Brees or Ben Roethlisberger than it is being, uh, being Christ. <laughs> you know? <Not> he's like, <laughs> he was good last night. Pa Pastor Omar, me and him talk football all the time. It's really out of control. Um, <laughs> no, but in reality, we could be anybody else in this world. It'd probably be easier than being like Jesus. But in the Bible, we know that we have to be like Jesus. I am far from that. 
I feel like sometimes I'm the farthest thing from that. Right? It's like, man, you are so imperfect. You are so messed up. And the enemy starts lying to you. Maybe that's just me. Sometimes the enemy lies to me, saying, you're not good enough. You can't do this. You can't do that. Amen. But you are called to be like him. And you are called to represent him. Wow. Are you a good representation of Christ? Sometimes you got to remind yourself, I got to represent God today. You walk into work, you have to say, I got to represent God. I'm angry at this email, but I got to represent God today. I'm angry at this person because they, they threw me under the bus, but I got to represent God today. So-and-so showed up, showed up late to work, and I had to do their, their job, but I got to represent God today. Right? Doesn't matter what it is, you are called to be like him and to represent him. Your distorted self. But you know what's great? In the Old Testament... We see God, Yahweh, he always finds purpose, opportunity, and reason to use those that are distorted. Even your sinful nature can't bring down God. It can't bring down his plan. Moses was a murderer. David, an adulterer. Abraham slept with his maidservant. But yet we see God use these things, these bad things, and he turns them into good. Turn your neighbor and said, God wants, turn your neighbor and tell him, God wants goodness. He wants goodness. In other words, don't think God can't use you today. I'm going to say it again. Don't think God can't use you today. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. I'm going to read this to you. We see an interesting thing here with God. He wants goodness, but he does it in an interesting way that I want to show you. See, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 4 through 10, I believe it's up there. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the first day. Verse 6, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Verse 9, And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and gathered waters. He called seas. And God saw that it was good. It was good when it was separated. I'm going to say it again. It was good when it was separated, light from darkness, sky from water, land from sea. See, God likes to separate things in order to define things, okay? Sometimes you need to separate things in your life so you can commune with God more, amen? It isn't going to be labeled as good until there is some kind of separation. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 3, it said, but God did say, you must not eat, fr eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. It was clear he wanted us to separate from the tree and death. In other words, he's telling you, look, this is bad and this is good if you stay away from it. Okay? Just, as, just the same thing in your own life. If you don't define sin in your own life, then you will think that sin is good or it is all good. You need to be able to have a separation between sin and your spiritual self. Amen. 
If you go around sitting all the time and you think, oh, this is okay because everybody's laughing and having a good time, it feels good, so therefore it is good, that is the wrong perception. That is the wrong perception. There has to be a separation in order for there to be some kind of good. I'm reminded of Jesus on the cross. What did he say? It was actually separation from God. It wasn't until that separation took place that all of a sudden we have salvation. That Jesus defeated the enemy and Satan and closed up the gates. Amen. It is that same separation that gives us salvation. See, God wants us to see our sin. Sometimes we need to look in the mirror. Amen? I come to church because it's a mirror sometimes. It reminds me of how much sin is in my life. It reminds me of how much I need to ask God for forgiveness. It is not a place where you can come and see your friends, high five, have a good time, and make sure we go out to eat afterwards. That's, that's not church. Church is identifying sin, looking in the mirror and saying, I need to be redefined because I am distorted. Amen. One thing I love about Yahweh is he's a man of more than words. He's a man of action. Our God is just, he is actionable. He takes action on things, okay? In other words, he just doesn't talk the talk. But God does work in everybody's lives. I'm reminded of Abraham. As Israel was lost, God says, I'm going to give you the Abrahamic covenant. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, let's go ahead and put it up there. We're given the Abrahamic covenant. And really what covenants are, they are these purposes or promises that are in your life. That God made to, to humanity. These promises were made to say, look, I love you. I'm going to give you this. In return, you have to do this. But remember, God is faithful to the unfaithful. Okay? In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's a promise. It's a promise that God made to Abraham, and he keeps his promises. But I want to break something down to you. I'm going to break down what kind of happens in the Old Testament. Okay, because God even goes further than those promises that he makes. Let's go ahead and put up that next slide, Jordan. Should be titled, the God of the Old Testament is not enough for Israel. Okay, so Israel, we don't have Jesus yet. Okay, Yahweh gave direction to the Israelites to serve him. He gave them the covenants, which I just read to you one of them. Okay, then he gives them freedom from slavery. He rescues them out of Egypt. Some of you guys know that story, right? And then the law, he gives them the Ten Commandments. Look, you're not doing enough. You're doing it wrong. Let me give you the Ten Commandments. So he gives them the Ten Commandments. And then they're like, well, what about our land? So he gives them land of milk and honey. Okay, and then a king. The thing about this is they're not really asking for more of Yahweh. They're just asking for stuff. I want a king. Let me tell you something. If you read your Old Testament, you will know in Samuel, when they say, I want a king, it hurts God. What do you mean you want a king? I am your king. I am your leader. 
Okay, And then they begin to ask for more stuff, right? And it wasn't until the end that they get a temple when God is saying, look, you should ask for the temple first. You should ask for that first so you can, we can commune together. We can connect together. But Israel kept failing, and then he, they fail even more after the temple. They're not connecting enough with God, so God gives them prophets. Now we have prophets, oracles, people that could speak for God. Hey, you need more of this. Hey, we need to stop doing this. If you know your Bible, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's a cycle. Israel failed to honor these things. They did not put God first, but rather they wanted more stuff. And every time they got those things, they were never satisfied. This is what it looks like with humanity in the Old Testament. Go ahead and put the next uh, slide up, Jordan. The Israel cycle of sin. And let me tell you something. This isn't just for Israel, but it's, it's for everybody in this church. Amen. Let, me, let me break this down for you. Israel serves God at the top. Then Israel falls into idolatry and sin. And then God speaks through the prophets, brings them back again. Hey, guys, we're doing this wrong. Israel cries out to the Lord. They repent. And then God keeps his promises, his covenants. He's never broken them. And then Israel's delivered. And then it's a cycle. It starts over again. Israel serves God. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? It's very similar to what happens today in our own evangelical community. Where we, can, we, we do this cycle and it doesn't stop. It's a cycle of repentance over and over and over. And it's just doing the same thing over and over again. And there's never any true repentance, right? If you keep doing that. And you keep coming to God for things that you know you came for. If you're the same, if you're spiritually the same as you were last year, you've got to fix that. You have to do something because it's not working out for you. You got to fix it. Don't wait for your pastor, your leader. Don't wait for anyone else, your best friend. You have to fix that. Amen? He's a God that, that follows the whole thing about actions speak louder than words. No matter how much we continue to fail him, he will be there for us. He showed us that in the Old Testament. But in any relationship, sometimes we say things we don't mean. Such is the case in several stories I want to go over with you today in the Old Testament. Okay, which brings me, which brings me to my next point. God wants relationship. I know that's, yeah, Rob, that's not really that deep. Well, hey, sometimes it isn't that deep, guys. He just wants a relationship. Okay, but think about this for one second. He wants a relationship with somebody that keeps failing him. He wants a relationship with somebody that isn't doing what they're called to do. He wants a relationship with somebody that is turning their back on them. He wants a relationship with somebody that maybe curses at him or is on the verge of just walking away completely. He still wants that relationship. I'm going to challenge you today. How much of the Holy Spirit are you willing to fit inside of you? Because sometimes we come to church, right? And we don't even think about the Holy Spirit. Unless so, someone says it at the, at the pulpit or someone says it to you, you can go through a church service and you will try to ignore the Holy Spirit. And it happens subconsciously because you're used to it. I want to talk to you about spiritual capacity. When I became a Christian, I was taught a simple truth. When we increase in the things of God in our life, 
then we increase in spiritual capacity. The more God you put in, the more spiritual you get. Amen. And that's why we have PCBI. That's why we teach these things. It's not so we can gloat or we can argue with each other. It's really to get to know our creator, his character, who he is, what he expects out of us. Amen. Your spiritual capacity is how much you know about God, how much you care about him, and how much you commune with his spirit. See, again, sometimes we get roped into this theology, but no matter, no matter what your theology is, you need to be on your knees praying. And it could be the hardest thing to do sometimes. Sometimes your church has prayer at 7.30, 8 a.m. in the morning. You need to be there. Amen? If you have a hard time doing things with God, then your spiritual capacity is low. Simple. If you have a hard time coming to church, your spiritual capacity is low. You need to increase it. Therefore, take, it a, take a moment and examine what your spiritual capacity is. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, probably one of my favorite sentences Jesus ever said. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that poor is, is talking about meaning to beg. It's not talking about being broke. It's talking about a poor spirit saying, I am so on a drought. I am so dry. I need you, God. I need you. I need more of you in my life. If you beg God for a touch from his spirit, chances are your spiritual capacity is high. The moment you, you could get away from social media, you can get away from the daily struggles in the, of, of your life and, and just everything that you got to do before you get to church. If you can get away from all of that, the fighting with your spouse, doing those different things, if you could just come to the altar, get ready and say, God, I had a bad day, but I need more of you because I'm distorted. If you can walk into church with that type of attitude, then your spiritual capacity will begin to increase. I remember one time, I was, I, I, if you guys don't know, I, I'm, I'm a network engineer. Uh, I'm not going to go into that, but I wanted to work for one of the biggest networking companies in the world, and that's Cisco Systems. And so I started praying. I knew people in the company, and I applied for a job. So I prayed every day, and that was like the only thing I prayed for. It was the most selfish thing in the world. <laughs> okay? I would pray all the time. I'd be sitting in traffic in my current job. I'd be like, Lord, I just, please, I want this other job. I wanted this. I wanted that. And you know what? I just wasn't happy in my, in my current place. I had a great job too, but I just wasn't happy. And I was saying, God, I need this. I need more of this. I, this is good for my career. And um, man, I waited six months and they called me back. I went through like 12 interviews and they called me back and they said, hey, we'd like to offer you a job. I said, praise God. <laughs> I claim that. Lord, this is your will, not mine. See where I'm going with this. This is your will, Lord. I know it is. I can feel your presence. Thank you so much, Lord. Babe, let's go to Target. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That was the worst job I've ever had in my life. My wife would tell you I, I fell into depression. I had anxiety. I couldn't sleep for like two, three months. Finally called Pastor Omar. I said, hey, I'm all messed up. He goes, what's going on? I talked to him. And what are we going to do? He's like, we're going to pray. I said, that's it? <laughs> I'm messed up, dude. I need some drugs or something. I need some uppers. I'm depressed. I'm not sleeping. This job is terrible. 
So we're going to pray right now. I said, all right. I'm pray. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm going I'm to open up to you guys. I was so messed up. I had to step down from PCBI for just one semester. That's how messed up I was. I couldn't do anything. Anytime I thought about putting a lesson together or doing something, I'd get anxiety and I couldn't sleep. The enemy was attacking me left and right. I couldn't, I thought this is it. I'm going to screw up my whole ministry, you know. And uh, I, I just hated that job. And I, I tried to get out of the job, okay. I tried to get out of it and I couldn't get out. I finally go to my boss and say, hey, listen, man, I got issues, man. I, I'm, I'm talking to people. I'm talking to mentors at my church. I'm, I'm going to go to the doctor, but I'm not sleeping at night. And it's been going on for several months. And I'm starting to get depressed because of it. It's starting to affect my chemistry in my brain. Clearly it was. I said, I, you know, and I remember just telling my wife, she probably remembers this, but I would tell my wife, I need to go to the other room and just read my Bible. And it was literally the only thing that would just break that was reading. I don't know why, but just reading my Bible, I'd fall asleep with the Bible. I'd fall asleep on the couch with the Bible on my face. Granted, it was probably for just a couple hours, but it would just, just that, just that glimpse of just good health and just good mental health kept me alive. Like it just kept me from going crazy. And it was God's word that kept me from just doing something stupid. I'll be honest with you. And so, I told, I started telling everybody. I told my family. I told my mom. I told my dad. I told my pastors. I said, I'm going through this. I wasn't keeping it a secret. I didn't want to because I knew the enemy wanted me to keep it a secret. But I was very open with it. And I began to tell God every day, to, instead of, to, Lord, thank you for this job. I said, Lord, help me get through this job because something is happening to me. And I know it's bad now, but in turn, it's going to be good later because I know you're at the throne, you're on the throne. If anybody's in my connect group, you know I say it all the time. God's on the throne. No matter what is happening, at least he's on the throne. So if anybody's struggling with some kind of mental problems, I, I guarantee you God is on the throne. That is temporary feelings. That is, that is something that is just... It's something not of God. It's, it's, it's not of you. You just need to get a hold of God. You need to tell people what you're going through. Let people pray for you. Go to church. Don't stop going. Don't stop reading your word. Amen. But I felt like, you know what? I put myself in that position because I felt like, you know what? I begged God enough and he gave it to me. And boy, did that backfire on me. But I look at it now. I stuck through that job. I never left. And... Um, God is just taking care of me big time. I've been bought out two times by, from other companies. And I've always, I've ha I have a job. And I, love, I, I enjoy my job. I get to travel. And God has blessed me so much because I stuck it out. But I not only just stuck it out, but I stuck it out with him. It wasn't something that I just stuck out and like, oh, I got over it. Yeah, I'm a conqueror. No. <laughs> it's not like that. I stuck it out with God. I stuck it out with my church. I told my pastors. I told everybody I need prayer because I'm jacked up. And I stuck it out. And it's been the biggest blessing to one of the biggest blessings in my life. You know, I, I get to do PCBI and never have to work late. My, my boss, I have a great boss who just lets me do whatever I want at church. And he ain't saved. He's an atheist. But he lets me, I tell him I teach, I do this, this, and that. He's like, right, go, go ahead. Don't worry about it. Do what you got to do. I told you when I offered you the job, you're fine. 
And it's just, that's a blessing from God. My boss is a blessing from God. Amen? Amen. Exodus chapter 32. If you, we have the, the, the I want to tell you, we actually have power inside of us. That when we connect with God, there's a relationship there and God will listen. Do you think God listens just to be narcissistic all the time? I think God listens because he wants to hear us. And then he'll begin to change something based on how much spiritual capacity you put behind it. You can actually change something in your life. See, I'm not here to tell you that, oh, you know, um, claim it and you'll get it. No, you need to work for that spiritually. That means you need to get on your knees and you need to pray for it. That means you need to tell people, I want this, and I, I'm going to pray to God that it's his will, that it's what he wants me to do. I tell people all the time, pray in the negative. In other words, God, if this is not your will, shut the door. Get it out of my life. Don't let it happen. You know, but you put God first. And if you're confused, you go to God. Amen? Exodus chapter 32, verse 9 through 19. Let's go ahead and put it up there. Here's a quick story of just showing how God connects with humanity, okay? It says this, I have seen these people. This is God talking. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Well, God's not very happy, is he? Not in this verse. There's a God of wrath here. It's Yahweh. This is God the Father. He's angry. But look what happens here. Look how God connects with humanity. Verse 11. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger and relent. And do not bring disaster on your people. And look at this persuasion here by Moses, verse 13. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land, I promise them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring his, on his people the disaster he had threatened. God wants to connect. Sometimes we give up, right? You get into a circumstance, and you may just give up on it. Oh, maybe this isn't God's will. I'm just going to throw in the towel. Or so-and-so will never be saved. Or whatever it may be. But in reality, what's happening here is God is connecting with Moses. And Moses has this way of talking to God. It's prayer. We're watching a conversation between God and Moses. And he persuades God. Now, do I think that God was just going to wipe somebody out? No. What I think God wanted to see was he wanted to see if Moses understood the big picture. You know what the big picture is? God. Hey, look, Lord, don't wipe out your people. This is your testimony. We keep these people alive everyone's going to worship you. Your, your covenant is going to be honored. Your will will be done if you would just relent. That's why we have prayer. See, prayer isn't something where it's just like, God's not listening. 
He's listening to you. And he's willing to react to it. He wants that connection. Amen? God wants to see what lenses you're looking through. He wants to know if you see his will. If you see the big picture, God is going to honor it. God, I want this because I want a big ministry. I want a big church. I want to plant like 50 churches. If, God, if, if, if it's lining up with that, God is going to give it to you. God, I want more of you because I want to see my family saved. I want to see everyone that I've ever met. I want to see them saved. I want them to see Jesus inside of me. These are God's, this is God's will. To want those things, that is part of God's will. Now, if it lines up with his will, he's going to give it to you. Amen? Amen? It has to line up with him. In other words, you don't do life alone, but you do it with him. Amen. He wants to connect with you. He wants to be a part of it. See, there's a greater good that God wants to see out of you. Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Let's look at another one that's interesting. It's kind of the same scenario. But in Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, it says, um, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Uh-oh. That wouldn't be good if that happened to Paramount or Bell Gardens, or right? That'd be terrible. Verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. A fast, um, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, now this is the king, look what the king does. He rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn this fierce anger so that he will not perish. Verse 10. Then God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Again, God relented. See, church, what ends up happening is they began to say, look, I have to get rid of everything material in our lives and we have to repent. The king threw off his robe, the Bible says, and he said he put on sackcloth. Back then, sackcloth is what beggars of those times, that's what they wore. They wore sackcloth. In other words, I need to throw everything. I need to get rid of my pride. I need to get rid of all my humility. And I need to repent for Nineveh. Sometimes we need to get rid of every single piece of pride that we have inside of ourselves and say, God, I am nothing without you. I need more of you in my life. I'm going to put on the sackcloth. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to change my situation, change what's happening inside of me. And if God sees that because it's part of his greater good, it's part of his will, it is him being worshiped, it will come to pass. We have the ability to connect with God and to show him before you do anything. Hear me out, Lord. 
Hear me out. Let's talk this through. He wants to connect with you, amen? Sometimes we need complete humility to get to that spiritual levels. Some of us are stuck because there's no humility. And it hurts our spiritual capacity. I think sometimes we get so busy in church, we forget to come to the altar, get on our knees and pray. That's why we say, if you're in ministry, come to first service, minister, come to second service, and worship. Right? Worship. You're here at church. You have a job to do. You have to repent. You have to pray. You have to exercise your faithfulness. I, uh, I heard a famous quote. I forgot, I forgot to put the name of the person that said it, but it says, if, he said, if mistakes continually happen, it's probably because it's on purpose. <laughs> Think about that. If you continue to do the same thing over and over and over again, not increasing your spiritual capacity, it's probably done on purpose. You're probably doing something on purpose and you're hurting your spiritual capacity. God has mercy. Turn to your neighbor and say mercy. Grace and mercy. That's what keeps his faithfulness to us when we're unfaithful. He remains faithful to us because it is in his nature to cultivate good, love, and relationship. That's not heavy theology. That's basic, basic understanding of the Bible. If you read the Bible, you're going to read about war. You're going to read about ugly things. In the Old Testament, you're going to read about blood. You're going to read about all these things that just probably don't sound good. But let me tell you something. In the end, you're going to realize that there's good love and relationship. The Bible is filled with violence. It's filled with ugliness, but it's to show that separation of good love and relationship. There has to be that separation. God also wants to increase your spiritual capacity. He sees your distortion, and he wants you to see it. So when we come to church, we come to connect group, we come to Bible study, or whatever you may call it, PCBI, you're looking into a mirror to see where you're at and what you need to fix. Don't just walk in and say, look, I'm here. I made it. You saw me, pastor. Give me ministry. I need it. I'm here all the time. And you're just doing it for the wrong motive, right? But there's a connection that needs to take place. The image of God that is in humanity is a piece of him in us which urges Yahweh to pour out his grace and mercy. See, God sees that there's a piece of him inside of us. I'm going to tell you something tonight. You have God inside of you. You have a kingdom inside of you. And you need to let your spirit be activated. God's going to challenge you because of this. You accept God in your life, get ready to be challenged. Get ready to receive what he wants Amen. And he's going to stretch you and he's going to say, look, there's a piece of me inside of you. So therefore I can give you more spiritual capacity. I want to be with you because there's a piece of me inside of you. And he knows that with that Holy Spirit, he could do wonders. He could change the world. If you know that you have Jesus inside of you, you need to act like it. You need to speak like it. You need to have authority, not fear, but know that Jesus is walking with you with the Spirit. You need to understand that that is your spiritual capacity, not this flesh. Now, don't look in the mirror and say, look how ugly you are. No one's going to listen to you. Don't tell yourself that. Say, look, no, I'm... I'm 
I want to be with God and God is going to use me regardless of how I look, regardless of the color of my skin, my education. It doesn't matter what my title is. God still wants to use you. I saw this quote, if God puts a Goliath in front of you, he must know there's a David inside of you. Sometimes we get these big situations in our life and we say, oh no, this is it. I'm going to be depressed the rest of my life. I'm not going to be able to get through this. I've been there. Maybe I just wasn't cut out for it. Or maybe this is God's will for me to feel like this or this circumstance to take over my life. Whatever it may be, you give up too easily. But in reality, God's looking at it and saying, no, no, no. I'm trying to instill something inside of you. Because I've already put it in you, but I need to activate it now. You just need to hold on and we're going to get through this together and we can move forward and not be stagnant. Amen? Sometimes we look at discipline, right? Discipline. God wants to discipline us. How many of you guys know that? Sometimes we need to be broken, cracked, rebuilt again, broken again, right? Maybe three years ago, you felt like, man, I backslid. You need to, I need to come back to God. That's okay. Sometimes God's going to break you multiple, multiple times until you, know, you get it right. But that discipline should not be seen as punishment. That's a negative outlook. The discipline that God gives you is to strengthen your weaknesses. In other words, he's going to strengthen your desire of him. Okay? And you should desire that discipline. You should say, God, I need more of you. Challenge me more. Break me more, Lord. Because I need to be humbled. Amen? Can I get the worship team to come up? I just want want you guys to understand something. that When we have PCBI... And when, and when we do these things, it's not because we're doing it just to have another ministry. We really are trying to seek the character of God. And through this conference, we want to we see that character of God and what that looks like. And we need to realize that when we look at Yahweh, we need to not only examine him, but examine ourselves. Because there's a way that Yahweh and God connect with us that we need to look at. And I think... When Yahweh gets into our life and we ask God to just take over our life, sometimes we have this feeling like, oh, now we need to be held accountable or we need to follow all these rules or we need to do all these things. I need to give up this. I need to give up that. But let me be honest with you. There is something greater than that sin you're holding on to. There is something greater than that sin that you don't want anyone to know about. That if you just give up, a little bit towards God, he's going to give you a lot. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.